The first reading for our celebration of Reformation Sunday comes from the Revelation of St. John, the 14th chapter. Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. And worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. This is the word of the Lord. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. In the city of our God. Walk about Zion, go around her, number her towers. Consider well her ramparts, go through her cells. That you may tell the next generation. That this is God, our God forever and ever. The epistle reading comes from Paul's letter to the church in Rome, the third chapter. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith, apart from works of the law. And this is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel, which serves as the text for our sermon this morning, comes according to St. John, the 8th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham, and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. This is the gospel of our Lord. Grace to you, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. Thus spoke the Jews who believed in Jesus, because Jesus dared to insinuate that he could set them free. They were proud of their nation and of their race. They thought they were the greatest and bestest people on earth. They were the chosen people of God himself. 
So for Jesus to say that they needed to be set free was just an insult. It was a slap in the face of their Jewish pride. We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. It's a bold, proud statement. It was arrogant and haughty. But worst of all, it was completely untrue. In fact, it was nowhere near the truth. And anyone who actually knew or cared to admit anything about the history of Israel would have laughed at such a statement. Because you see, despite their claim, Israel's long history was not one of freedom. When you go back and you first think about Israel and Moses, where do we find them? We find them in Egypt, enslaved by the Pharaoh, forced to be building the city for him. We find God working mighty miracles and wonders and plagues in order to break their chains of slavery and get them out from under the Pharaoh's thumb. Then, as they entered back into their promised land, which they were never supposed to leave in the first place, we see them subjugated by a wide variety of foreign powers all throughout the time of the judges. The Philistines, the Amorites, the Ammonites, all kinds of different ites came and ruled over them, subjugating them until God would raise up a judge to break the chains of slavery once again and give them freedom. Then, even during the time of the kings, they were held captive by some of their own wicked and greedy kings who crushed them under their boot heel, who taxed them to death, who said, I'm the king, I'm going to do what I want, and you will serve me. And then as the time of the kings ended, they were conquered by the Babylonian Empire and taken into exile. And even as Judah was allowed to return to their homeland during that time, they were still very much subjects of Babylon. Babylon was then conquered by Persia, who was then taken over by the Medes, who in turn was conquered by Greece, all of whom ruled over Israel the entire time of their empire. And then the Greek empire fell to the Romans, who not only ruled over Israel at one time long ago, but they were currently ruling Israel as these very people were proclaiming to Jesus that they had never been enslaved by anyone. Pretending that it wasn't so did not make it not so. In fact, I always kind of like to imagine that as they're having this conversation, as the Jews say this ridiculous statement, a battalion of Roman soldiers passes between them and Jesus, and Jesus just kind of looks at him and raises an eyebrow and doesn't really have to say a word about it. No matter how bold they were, no matter how often they repeated the lie, claiming that they had never been enslaved to anyone did not change the truth. Our culture today kind of has a problem with the truth too, doesn't it? We like to say things just as ridiculous as those arguing with Jesus did. We like to think that if we say something loud enough or often enough, it will become the truth. Abortion isn't really murder because, well, we don't want it to be, and it's awfully convenient. 
We can redefine marriage to make it as short as we want and to make it be between whomever we want because we can and we will. If a man puts on lipstick and braids, well, he's a woman and everybody has to play along. And if you say otherwise, well, you're a bigot. God's word needs to be interpreted in light of current society and it isn't absolute or eternal, and our progressive culture is clearly the only one that God would speak through, and so whatever our culture says is obviously what God agrees with because he loves us. And besides, we don't need to be forgiven because we have figured out a way to explain away all sin, because we are way smarter than any past or future societies, because everyone else is doing it, and we like to do it, because it's in our DNA, because Google says it's okay, because it's what we want to be okay. So obviously sin is not anything we need to worry about any longer. None of this is true. And it is all just as silly as the Israelites telling Jesus, we are the offspring of Abraham, and have never been enslaved by anyone. As sinners, we don't like the truth. We don't like God's truth, especially, because the truth hurts. God's word tells us some very, very uncomfortable things, and we would rather substitute our own feelings, the things that we would like to believe. But no matter how much we try to change it, no matter how loud or how often we say something, God's truth does not change to suit us. The truth is the truth, now and always. It always has been, it always will be. God does not change his word depending on how we feel or what we want. His truth stands forever. And the truth is, you are a sinner who deserves eternal condemnation. You have fallen short of God's standard of perfection. And no matter how much you try to bend it, no matter how much you try to justify it, you cannot change the truth that you are a sinner and sin deserves punishment. The truth is, no matter how hard you try to explain away your sin, you are still Guilty. The deed has been done and cannot be undone by anything that you say or do. The truth is, even if everyone else is doing it, even if the whole world says it's good and right and fun, even if you really enjoy doing it, if God says don't do it, it is still a sin. The truth is, you sin all the time, in thought, in word, and in deed. No matter how good you might look on the outside, no matter how good you are at hiding it, you are a sinner constantly, by nature. Just because you're not currently committing adultery doesn't mean you're not thinking about it, and the truth is that's just as bad. Just because you haven't murdered anyone doesn't mean that you aren't angry at people, and the truth is, that's just as bad. Just because you come to church and say you're a Christian doesn't mean that you haven't abused God's word just as much as the rest of the world, and the truth is, that's probably even worse. 
The truth is that the lies we cling to can never set us free. We think they can. We want them to. We say that they can. But sin just entangles us that much more. Sin can never be satisfied. And we just hunger for more and more sin. Deeper and deeper lies. Claiming to have more and more freedom. But actually putting on heavier and heavier chains. The sin that we think is going to set us free from the shackles of Christianity. That's going to give us joy and peace and love in our lives. All it does is tie us down more and more and enslave us more and more. The lies that we use to justify our sin, to try to make ourselves good and right, they only make things worse. And if we cared to open our eyes to the truth, it would be obvious for us to see that. But the truth hurts. And so we don't want to see it. We don't want to hear it, and we certainly don't want to admit it. We would rather cling to those lies of the world. We'd rather cling to the ways of our heart. We would rather say anything rather than admit that God's word is true and we stand convicted of every single sin that he has laid out before us. And yet Jesus, here, even in telling us hard truths that really do hurt, he tells us that the truth will set us free. How in the world can that be? Because God's truth, it doesn't just condemn us of our sin and leave us to rot. The truth of God's word, the full truth, the unchanging truth, it also proclaims the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ that truly sets us free. Today we celebrate Reformation Day. On October 31st, 1517, Martin Luther posted his 95 theses on the door of the Wittenberg Church. 95 topics that he wanted to discuss with other theologians and scholars and Christians. And these were not just Luther's top 95 reasons why you're all wrong. These were genuine questions that he had. Questions that he wanted to genuinely look at and examine in the light of Scripture because he wanted to know what the truth really was. Because Martin Luther was a broken man. Broken by guilt. Broken by his sin. Broken by the church. Because the church at that time, it wasn't speaking God's truth. It claimed that it was. But the so-called truth that it endorsed wasn't true at all. The church was telling Martin that he had to pay for his own sin, was telling him that the Pope could forgive his sin but chose not to, was telling him that until he atoned for all of his own sin, God simply could not love him and would not. These false teachings nearly drove Luther mad, and they actually made him, as a monk, as a priest, as a man who devoted his life to God's word, Luther hated God. But then something changed. While reading the Bible, instead of listening to the world, while actually listening to the word of God instead of the word of man, Martin Luther heard the truth. And the truth set him free. 
Not by catering to his personal whims and wishes. Not by saying, God will endorse whatever you feel like doing. Just follow your heart. No. The truth set him free by showing him that God's truth is absolute, unchanging, and eternal. And it was there for Martin Luther and for all people. The truth was that God loved him despite the fact that he was indeed a no-good, rotten sinner. The truth was that not only couldn't Martin Luther atone for his own sin, he didn't have to, because Jesus has already paid the price in full. The truth was that he was a beloved child of God, not because of what he had done or what he promised to do, but simply because of the grace of our loving Heavenly Father. This was the truth. God's glorious truth that did not change for the whim of man, and the truth set Martin Luther free. Free from his hatred of God. Free from his despair of not being good enough for heaven. Free from his life-consuming fear of the fires of hell. Free from the tangled web of lies that enslaved him in so many different ways. Set free by the full truth of God's word, he set out to set others free as well, telling them the good news, the real truth of Jesus Christ, challenging those who are proclaiming lies as the truth, risking his very life to set others free from that same tyranny and terror that he himself had experienced. He wanted all people to know the glorious truth that had set him free. People he loved, people he didn't know, people that he would never even meet people like you and me. Because the truth of the gospel, it is for all ages and all times. It is eternal, and it is for all sinners everywhere. And by the grace of God alone, the truth has come to us and has set us free. Jesus Christ, God himself in the flesh, suffered and died upon the cross to take away all of your sin. That's the truth. Jesus rose again from the grave to give you the absolute guarantee of everlasting life despite the fact that you are not good enough to get into heaven on your own. That's the truth. Jesus will come again in glory to bring an end to all pain and suffering and sin and to take us to be with him in eternal paradise. That's the truth. It's not open to debate. It's not up It's not dependent on your behavior or history. It doesn't need to be ratified or endorsed by the world. God has proclaimed it, and so it is the truth. The eternal, unchanging truth. And that's what we still proclaim today. And that's what has set us free indeed. Free from our own hatred and fear and misunderstanding of God. Free from the slavery to our own works or to sin, trying to find our own way into heaven. Free from our despair of not being good enough or our deluded thoughts that we actually are good enough already. Free from the lies of the world and the devil that promise freedom and peace and love but deliver only pain and slavery and death. Free from that life-consuming fear of the fires of hell. Because our trust is not in our filthy and inadequate works, 
but in the perfect work of Jesus Christ. It is finished, it is done, and it is the truth. You have been set free from sin, death, and the devil. As Jesus Christ, God himself in the flesh, is the one who has done it all for you. He has paid your ransom in full. He has made the sacrifice you never could. He has done the works that you absolutely cannot do. And he has given you the victory and set you free. And if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Not free to live as wretched of a life as the world would like you to live, turning your back on God's word because it stings your ego sometimes. Not free to indulge in whatever sinful lies suit your fancy and wind up entangling you even more. But free to live in Christ's eternal grace, knowing that even though you fail, even though you sin thousands of times a day, by grace, through faith, you have been set free, forgiven completely, restored over and over again as a beloved child of God, clothed in Jesus' own robe of righteousness, so that in the eyes of the Lord Almighty, who does not change his standards or rules, you are seen as holy, innocent, and righteous, without sin or spot or blemish, because you have been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. This is the truth of the gospel, and this truth alone can truly set you free. For by his cross alone, By his empty tomb alone, you are forgiven of every one of your sins, and heaven itself is yours. To God alone be all glory, now and forever. Amen.